Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, this is former Pro Bowl Center for the Buffalo Bills, Eric Wood, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on the Circling the Wagons podcast. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our first off-season episode of Circling the Wagons, where we're going to discuss uh, some Bills news and notes as far as coaching goes, uh, people promoted, uh, people hired, people going to different teams, stuff like that. Uh, And then we're going to go into our awards for the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Uh, If you've been following us throughout the regular season, we do wall of fame, wall of shame for each game. And this, we're going to do something similar to this for the entire season as it comes, as it pertains to players on the Buffalo bills. Maybe we'll talk like biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, stuff like that. Uh, But first I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike fellas. It's good to talk bills with you guys Um, real quick. Just emotional check. I'm kind of at the point. Let me know where you guys are. Cause I'm kind of at the point of like, I, for the most part, stayed off social media the last couple of weeks, like here and there, I checked it or maybe posted something here, or there, but nothing to the extent of like during playoffs, right? Like playoffs, you're checking every, every hour, every 10 minutes. Like you're just constantly updating. What am I going to find? What, are, what's going on? What, you know, what are people posting? What are people saying? What are, what's the news? And now I'm just kind of like, meh, <laughs> you know, like just, ugh. I'm starting to get out of the funk, but I was in a funk for, I mean, it's been two weeks now. I was in a funk for at least a good week. How about you guys? It was just like any week during the regular season. They win. You can't absorb enough content and they lose. You don't want to hear it at all until the day before the game, the next game. Mm-hmm. The only difference here is there is no next game. So Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. Are you starting to feel better, John? Like from that loss, are you starting to get over it, or does that one loom large? Because this one, like I'd argue, like the the Bills, the Chiefs win this one. I mean, there's an argument finally for this being potentially the Bills Super Bowl because unlike every other season where the Bills have lost in the postseason, that team that beat them has never won a game ever. And we just witnessed last week the Chiefs being the Ravens in dramatic fashion. So, like this this. This one feels different than other Super Bowls, you know? I I, I kind of disagree. Any loss is terrible for me, so let's get that out of the way. But like from like a Super Bowl perspective, like this is our year type of thing, like the I think 13 seconds was worse than this. Like it felt like that was if you're going to pick a year, that would have been the year. Not to say that the it wasn't. It's not this year. Like you can't say any of the years are the year. But if you're gonna pick one, maybe that would have been it. Uh, but they're all they're in it in all of these years. That's 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 the thing that you got to remember. Still Josh Allen, and they still have an amazing offense. You look at not to get ahead of ourselves here, but, but you look at free agency. The offense is largely intact, minus Gabe Davis, which they needed another receiver anyway. Defense, they're going to lose some guys, but through the year, I, th- I feel McDermott did really great job at compensating for that, and also f- 
fixing things in the on, in the defense on the fly. Like next year could be the year also. Like I'm not that worried about next year. So it's funny because this year I'd agree with you that 2021 felt like the year. And oddly enough, that was the last season, the last postseason where we were really healthy, right? Like even last year, we lost Micah Hyde. We lost Von Miller. This year, we lost Trey White. We lost Mamelano. We lost, I mean, Von Miller was non-existent, but like, you know, we didn't have Terrell Bernard in that game. We didn't, to me, I think the 2021 game was closer uh, to to it being the season if there was a a time that we were going to win the Super Bowl. But damn, like if it wasn't for those injuries, man, if it wasn't for Benford being out, like Razul Douglas wasn't 100%. Like there were so many injuries the Bills had to overcome just to become, just to come within three points. Like I feel like we're just a Matt Milano away from winning that game against the Chiefs. Right. And the other thing to think about, it's not just about us and our injuries. The Chiefs played probably their best offensive game of the year in that game. If they didn't, then we might have won anyway, despite all those injuries. So it's, you know, all those factors combined. And the Bills on offense put up the best. I mean, the Chiefs have a very good defense. You said the Chiefs offense is struggling. They are. I mean, their defense is not exactly carrying them, but they're doing a lot of the lifting. And the Bills had the best offensive output against that defense in the postseason. The Dolphins could only get, what, six points. The Ravens could only score 10 points. The Bills scored 24 Bills played them really well. So if it wasn't, could you look at that as like, instead of it being the 13 seconds game, like maybe the Bills Chiefs game this year, and I'm not trying to look at this negatively or, or depress anyone, but like, is it a Stefan Diggs catch away from the Bills being in the Super Bowl? Or is it, you know, that pass to Shakir in the last couple of minutes? If Deion Dawkins doesn't get nudged into Josh Allen as he's following through on that throw, do the Bills win it? You know, there's so many questions I have that I will never get answered. Um, and it's just stinks because I kind of look at this Super Bowl a little bit differently than the last one. Let me tell you something. I'm really glad that the first three things that came to your head were not to tell her Bass miss because I don't think, I think he makes that kick. They probably lose anyway. And so many people are shitting on him. And I don't think <laughs> that's necessary at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, it was so weird. It was like a wide right thing. Like that wide right thing doesn't even phase me. And yeah, I mean, he he had a bad postseason uh, for sure. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we talked about that somewhat in post game of like, you know, you give the field goal was kind of dumb. I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, you give Tyler or you give Patrick Mahomes a minute 49 and he just has to kick a field goal to win with two timeouts left. Like the Bills aren't necessarily winning that one. Most likely aren't winning that one. Um, Mike, Mike, your thoughts on the season um, coming to an end? Like your thoughts on the team? Is it? Are you optimistic? Knowing you, you're probably optimistic a little bit. Uh, like where are you at mentally? Because I know a lot of Bills fans are still kind of in pain or whatever from that loss. Oh, it was a tough loss, no doubt. And I don't put it on Bass at all. I agree 100%. You can't. <laughs> I disagree with the play calling at the end of the game for sure, but I think that's on McDermott. Um, but if you look around the league, Bills um, are in great, great spot. I think we love quarterback, coach, GM. Hopefully we continue to get better because we're always talking about, oh, this other team is making improvements. This other team is making improvements. And we do just, it seems like we run it back a lot of the time. So I'm excited for the draft and hopefully um, we could get some studs, particularly wide receiver and McDermott will play some rookies. Yeah, but you'll have to. I'm, I'm <laughs> relative to everybody else. Um, outside the Chiefs, we we got a great situation, and we're in it year in and year out. And you look at history; a lot of the teams that eventually punched their way through it, like the Colts, for so many years um, before they won it, uh, the Saints, like we're there, like a lot of teams. It takes them a while. It's certainly taking taking them longer than we would like, but um, they're right in the thick of things every year. Yeah, I I agree. That is a good place to be in. For sure, with with the way that you know, we always have Josh, right? The more every season that the Bills are somewhat in contention, I just realize as a fan that there's so much that goes into it. There's coaching that goes into it, obviously the the execution, your players, and then there's things that are just complete luck, like health and the ball bouncing the right way. You know, like 
like that Ravens, you know, the, the fumble for the Ravens at the half yard line last week. And then it ends up getting, you know, punched out and, you know, recovered by the chiefs, like stuff like that, you know, that you can't just account for, like it has to go your way. Maybe it goes your way more likely or more often if you're a well-seasoned team like the chiefs than it does for other teams like the bills that, but I mean, some of it is luck and the bills just, in my opinion, just haven't been lucky enough to get there. If I can, I don't want to blame it on just chance and just who just throwing it up in the air. Like it just didn't, but I think there yeah, is l- a big thing to luck. Yeah. Luck or scripts, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Naheem Hines. I don't know if you saw his tweet. He's just like, dude, there's no script or whatever. Like that. Trust me. He's like, you know, he's like, I, f- I forgot exactly what his example was, but he said this and that. And then all of a sudden he muffed the punt on the next game or something that, so he's like, there's no way it could be scripted. He was, he was told to say that. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice one, Naheem. <laughs> way to, way to uh, read what the script or write what the script tells you to write. Um, yeah, I guess I just, I'm just more of aware of like the luck factor. And it's just like, you just got to get luck. And the bills were unlucky this year. Like the lack thereof of, of having luck, because I think if the bills have the defense, the players that they needed when when they had to. I mean, they they were banged up going into the playoffs, and then they just got decimated in the Steelers game, and they lost like three or four starters on defense. But like like you said, John, you know the Bills are bringing back a lot of their offense, and you know Mike said about wide receivers coming back, which is a good thing. You know, wide the Bills being forced to draft a wide receiver, Gabe Davis being the only guy that's not under contract next season. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Because in the end, it's really what Josh Allen and the offense does. And you look at the biggest need on offense, it's probably still receiver, right? Receiver number two to be eventual receiver number one. But they do still have Diggs, Kincaid, and and, uh, Shakir. I know we have people are thinking maybe Diggs has lost a step, but those aren't really three good players to start with, right? Yeah. And Cook, when he doesn't drop the ball... (laughs) Knocks yeah. at times. So let's let's talk about offensive coordinator, offense on the offensive side. Let's talk about coaching changes or coaching non-changes, as it were. Um, the Buffalo Bills announced formally that uh, previous, I guess you would call him temporary or preliminary offensive coordinator uh, that took over for Ken Dorsey, Joe Brady. He is now formally the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, which is kind of nice because he was getting a head coaching, you know, interview for the Atlanta Falcons. So I think the Bills at one point were like, man, we got to make this formal. We got to, we got to put a ring on it because this isn't, uh, did the Falcons interview like 14 guys for that job? It was something crazy. It was something a lot. It was a lot. I I mean, they hired, I mean, they, they interviewed Bill Belichick even, you know? Yeah. They, they interviewed him. Then they went with Raheem Morris, I believe. So, yeah, so maybe it wasn't just him, but you know, people that were le- that were losing to other jobs, like nobody's been fired, as far as I know, no one yet. <clears throat> some would argue there should be some coaches that should maybe be taking a look at, you know, <clears throat> special teams, you know, like something, some other coaching assistant coach could potentially, you know, after having you know a terrible regular season, their kicker only getting two of five in the postseason. Um, the coverage unions have, haven't been that good most of the year. And you're still afraid that they're going to drop the ball. Every time. <laughs> every time. Every time except that Deontay Hardy touchdown, you've kind of gritted your teeth through every play, right? There's a lot. To, so Matthew Smiley, special teams coach, is still on the team for now, which is kind of ironic, in my opinion, because uh, you could technically use him as a scapegoat for losing, even though we agree that Tyler Bass making that field goal doesn't really matter, but... He also had a very bad postseason, and then so so was the fake punt to Demar Hamlin. I don't know what was going on. Twelve men on the field in the Denver game. I mean, the list goes on. But anyway, I'm not going to go into that. Just it is what it is. He's for now. He's staying. Hopefully, he turns I'm okay it around. With, I'm okay with a fake punt. I would have rather they have gone for it with the offense, <laughs> but uh, the fake punt with one less guy on the one less defender on the field is, I think, is the reason why they audible to that one less defender and they had a numbers game it was what six against or five against eight right and the bills couldn't get four yards 
with the yeah, they couldn't do it anyway. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's funny, like before that play even happened, I'm like, oh, they should go for it. And <laughs> they, they didn't. didn't. <laughs> and then, well, they did, they but did. like, it's like, well, maybe they would have got it if they went for it on the offense. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll never know. It's frustrating. But, but John, but John, there wouldn't be the element of surprise if they went for it on fourth and five or whatever on offense. He was trying to hit him with that, which I understand. I get, I get that. Like, dude, say what you will about Sean McDermott. Like that was a creative play. I don't think the Chiefs saw that coming at all. It was just poor execution. True. Yeah. Like, I like the play call. I like the idea that like they, like you said, they had one less player on the field. Freaking run it, man. Like you have one. If you're going to do it, you're saving a play like that for the postseason. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yes. It was just terrible execute. If that's against they, the Bills, they just didn't do it that did. good. <laughs> they just couldn't couldn't do it. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when Sean Payton and the Saints like they it was they opened the half the second half of the Super Bowl and with a onside kick. It's like oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah. They got it. It was, it was awesome. It was one of the ballsiest plays ever, and and you yeah. remember it. Didn't right? see it coming. Yeah. If he botched and they lose, he's the biggest joke ever in Super Bowl history. But because. It worked out. Sean Payton is like, wow, the guy's coaching mastermind, right? Um, if that was against the Buffalo Bills, if the Bills were on special teams, like trying to cover the punt, and the other team like decided to call that fake punt, you know they would have gotten it too. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been a touchdown. <laughs> Demar Hamlin, the Demar Hamlin of the Chiefs, runs a sixty-five yards for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, do you, not- you ever think we're, we were spoiled in the? late 80s early to mid 90s with marv Le- marv levy was like he was a special teams coach like john Har- harbaugh is or was and like obviously steve task was a part of that but like you know like the comeback game and steve christie recovering his own onside kick and all these other things that happened over those years on special teams they never had a great return man but like the coverage units and, and everything else was on point you know it was, except for the Music City Miracle. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the Marv Levy time frame, yes. Yes. Yeah, Music City was after Levy. It was after Marv Levy. Yeah, you're right. You didn't grit your teeth every time, you know, or clench your fist every time that the, the Bills were about to receive a punt. <laughs> it's just it just seems so and then every time the punt returner, in my opinion, gets goes to run it back, I'm like, Don't fumble it. Please don't fumble it. I feel like that's that's I I don't know. Yeah. We were we were in or we were uh spoiled during that time frame for sure in a lot of different things but i think we're finally starting to get back to that level of of talent and skill on the buffalo bills team it's just a matter of putting it all together to get there to get to the big dance to get to the super bowl which we're gonna talk about a little bit um buffalo bills defensive line coach slash assistant head coach eric washington left the buffalo bills for the defensive coordinator position with the chicago bears so that left the door open for Sean McDermott to either keep his role as the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills or relinquish it to another coach, either inside or outside the building. And he went with none other than Bobby Babbage, the former safeties, former linebackers coach for the Buffalo Bills, a son of longtime coach Bobby Babbage. I think it's named Robert Babbage or his, his dad's also a Babbage. He's longtime assistant coach for the Buffalo Bills too, by the way. He coached for the Bills uh, as well. Um, he gave it to Bobby Babbage here, his son. Um, new, young, up-and-coming coach. He was given three different interviews for defensive coordinator positions within the NFL. So he was very highly sought after. And I think that the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean did the right thing by giving him this role because now he continues to be a really he continues to be an integral part of this team. What if you think about it, John and Mike, like this is each area that he's coached has seen tremendous improvement. Think about safeties. I mean, obviously Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, like that's that goes without saying. Maybe they're like that without him, but I mean he got the best out of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I'd I'd argue that, you know, we've gotten out of any safety tandem throughout the entire, you know, experience. Uh our experience as a Bills fan. And then you could also argue that since he hasn't been the safeties coach the last couple of years, the safeties play has kind of gone down a little bit, not as good, but still pretty good. Uh, could be due to the age of Poyer and Hyde, but then he becomes a linebackers coach two years ago. Tremaine Edmonds has his best season right before free agency. He turns Terrell Bernard into w- one of the better inside linebackers in the NFL. Um, 
Matt Milano continues to be a stud. He coaches the best out of, you know, Tyrell Dodson. Um, he makes him like a somewhat startable commodity. Um, Bobby Badgett has done great in his time as a Bills assistant defensive coach. So then, it, to go ahead, John. It, no, I, I'm just, I just want to reiterate, it's great to not lose him. It, it'll be interesting to see next year who's calling the plays, if it's McDermott or him or how they're going to work that. But I, I think him remaining with the team is definitely a net positive. Absolutely. Even if he's not giving play calling duties right away, then that's fine. Like I'd almost, it's weird. I, I want to keep him on as a coach, but then also have McDermott still call the defense, like play to play as weird as that sounds until maybe he feels like Bobby's ready for it. Um, and, and knowing McDermott the way he is, I mean, he's very, he seems very calculated, right? Like he doesn't seem like, okay, here you go. Good luck. Like he doesn't seem like if anything, he's overly cautious, right? Like he's overly like, we need to make sure that you're a hundred percent ready before we give you this task. So, yeah, I don't know about cautious, but I agree with the calculating part for sure. I think he definitely evaluates everything to a certain extent before he makes a decision. So he won't give Bobby Babbage play calling duties until he feels like he's ready, ready to do that. Yeah, he's not like, I mean, you look at the beginning of the year, you know, there are, you know, here's an example. They lost Dable and they gave, he gave everything to, to Dorsey, right? Not not a terrible idea, but it didn't work out. Uh, he, I don't know. He, you know, I, I don't. You know, the whole caution of the wind thing. But I think he calculated, and then he adjusts those calculations and decided to go in a different direction mid season with Joe Brady, and that seemed to work out. So I think he's. It, it's kind of like what Brandon Bean always does. It's always like, oh, we're just trying to. You know, he's always like any position we just want to get better at, and I think. McDermott is evolving as well and has that mentality where it's like, well, something's not quite working out here. I think we can get better. Let's do this. But he calculates it. I I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's good it's good to see that sort of thought with your coach. And and it kind of coincides with our thoughts. So we like it. We like Bobby Babbage. We like the work that he's done. You know, whereas maybe Eric Washington, you could argue that, you know, we talk at the end of at the end of the year press conference, McDermott was asked to evaluate like Bobby Babbage. I think they asked him specifically about Bobby Babbage. And he said, well, it's easy to um, assess positional coaches because you look at the positions they're coaching and you say, well, they did, did those positions do a good job, right? Like, did they perform or underperform or overperform, right? Like, he just made it very simple. He's like that. So then you're looking at that and it's like, well, linebackers. Bobby Babbage did a great job coaching up the linebackers, right? Just based on that. Now you look at Eric Washington, the defensive line coach, and you're like, well, based on that logic, I think the un- the defensive line has been underwhelming the last season or so, or at least down the stretch when it really mattered. So maybe that led to the fact that they didn't want to give Eric Washington the def- that DC job partially because of that. Now, I'm not saying Eric Washington is a bad coach or whatever. Um, I just think it just feels like there's more upside with Bobby Babbage, doesn't there? Yeah, I agree. And you, you kind of remind me of another point where, you know, during the drought, all you know, we're always clamoring and all the fans are like, oh, they should be doing this. Why do they pay all this money to all these free agents when they should be drafting these guys and like all this stuff. And now it's like we have these ideas in our head as fans. We feel like we know everything. Because we do. And yeah. the and and the bills kind of go that way a lot of the time, right? Like yes. we're talking about Babich and or J- Joe Brady staying his offensive coordinator, not looking to hire somebody else. And obviously, there's exceptions to the rule. Like midseason, pe- people are clamoring for McDermott to be fired. I'm like that's insane. <laughs> but I'm not talking about those fans. I'm talking about fans like us. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> more reasonable. <laughs> more we're not so we're not so knee jerk reaction sort of fans. <laughs> not to downplay any you people that are listening that are would have <laughs> would have fired McDermott easily. Yeah, a right. lot a lot of them. But or even still, some people are still like, oh, they didn't advance further than the divisional playoffs. It, I think that's insane. Hey, I might be there. I might be there in a year. That could be another discussion too. I might be there there in a year if this happens again, or if they get you know if they don't make the playoffs or they get bounced in the wild card. Like at some point, you have to be like. Okay, 
this is good enough to get to one point. Do we need something else to get the extra, you know, to the next level? But not right now. Okay, agreed there. Not I, not right now. I don't, I don't know. I mean, what, do you think he's the Schottenheimer of the Bills? Or do you think... Because there's not, there's not many, too many examples of that, right? Of, no. Most often, you fire a coach in that predicament, and you get worse. You don't get better. Yes. I, th- I think... We'll see. I don't want to get onto McDermott just yet, but your your point is well made. You know, we didn't talk about Joe Brady a whole lot. We just said that he got the job. I mean, you're excited about that that move, like I am, right? Like, I mean, at least unlike Dorsey, like when Dorsey was hired, that guy had no experience calling plays. At least now we have a small sample size of Joe Brady doing it, and he did it better than the last guy. So you have to think, like, give him another offseason with with his for sure. And it was mostly with the old guy's playbook like old guy's crappy playbook right <laughs> well I, you ever get stuck I, I with a playbook and mad i don't want to completely shit on it but like he obviously put his tweaks in and, you know there was a little bit more motion i would but i would like to see a lot more play action next year i would like to see the playbook overhauled and i'm sure it's gonna be he, he just can't do that halfway through the year with everybody knows it already. So you have to kind of just tweak it kind of, and then go from there, you know, game by game. Obviously each week you can, you can put new wrinkles in, but from, you know, he he kept winning either way. It's not like, Oh, he lost a few games and they got, no, they won every, almost every single game since he was in there. So yeah. And and they, it looked better. There were, there were times like in the Patriots game and, um, was it the Chargers? Like the the offense could have been better, but overall, it was better than it was the first half of the year. I thought. Yep, they were able to run the ball much better after Brady took over. I thought. Yeah, so, Cook finished. James Cook was like the what fourth in rushing yards, something like that. Fourth, in the whole NFL, fourth or fifth. Yeah. yeah, he finished. He finished the season strong. And the, to your point, that's why you, you made me think of the rushing is because of play action. Like it would, it might actually be useful now. Before there, people are like, "Who cares? Go ahead." Try to play action. We know you're not going to run the ball because you suck at running. Go ahead. Do play yeah. action. We're not going to go after or whatever, but now it's a threat. Now, it, So it should be used more. Agreed. You know, have you, you guys haven't seen the final season of Ted Lasso yet, right? Yes. Oh, you have seen it. Okay. John's seen it. Okay. Mike hasn't. Mike, Mike's shaking his head. That's okay. Mike hasn't, but I'm not going to give it away completely. <laughs> no, no. It's it, At one point, I will say Ted Lasso decides to change their style of play <laughs> as Mike takes his headphones out of his uh, Mike's got that dumb grin on his face. <laughs> no, just kidding. He's not grinning. Just that dumb look in general. <laughs> no. um, so do you think, do you think he can hear us or do you think you really took him out and he's not listening to us? No, I don't think he's listening. No, <laughs> no, we're not done yet, Mike. I'm shaking my head. We're not done yet. So <laughs> he's asking if we're done. Cause he, he took his headphones out. So, <clears throat> so Ted Lasso decides to, change his game plan, right? John, like throughout, like halfway through their season, because it's not going great. And he's like, I want to change it to this new method of, he was like in Amsterdam and he, I don't know if he had a few drinks or what, he just came up with this new game plan. And he goes to his assistant coaches. He's like, how much time would it take to implement a whole new offense? And they're like, you need at least a season before you can start to like, <laughs> and he's like, well, we don't have a season. So they do it mid game or mid season. And it made me think of Joe Brady, like Joe Brady trying to implement a new, and and I won't, you know, give away how the results go for Ted Lasso, but like, you know, it was a little difficult at first, right? Like, so I always think of Joe Brady in this, in this aspect of him trying to start over in the middle of a season, like Ted Lasso did with a brand new playbook. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's very undoable. So now, yeah, now I'm excited because, especially because it sounds like based on what the players were saying and the players have been going out of their way to say that they really like Dorsey, like they will not shit on Dorsey whatsoever, like, which is good, which you like to see, you know, because nobody hated Dorsey. He just wasn't doing that well. You know, it's just the way the business. So um, in saying that, yeah, it just didn't work out in saying that Mike can come back on now in saying that, uh, hello, <laughs> Um, he might be successful in Cleveland and that's fine. Like sometimes it's just, you know, wait, Ted Lasso goes somewhere else. (laughs) We're talking about Dorsey now. (laughs) Ted Lasso leaves the premier league to coach for Cleveland. (laughs) 
He started as a football coach, right? Oh, yeah. I remember. Maybe he gets relegated from the Premier League down to Cleveland <laughs> coaching the Browns. Uh, no, so... <clears throat> So, but the but the players have been saying that like Joe Brady is a player's coach, um, and with that, like they get their input. It feels like their input is more taken into account with Joe Brady than it did with Ken Dorsey, and that could be a good thing, and it could also be a bad thing. But it, you know, in this case, it sounds like it's a good thing, and it worked. So, so yeah. So those were the big coaching changes for the Buffalo Bills. Any final thoughts on that, guys? Before we go into twenty twenty three season award. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more. And get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right. So let's start with, you guys want to do wall of fame, wall of shame on the offense and defense? Maybe most disappointing, most improved, or most surprising? Kind of like we did for the midseason awards. It has to be like wall of fame offense, not named Josh Allen. Because he's going to be the, the Wall of Fame. He's going to be on the Wall of Fame. So Wall of Fame on the offense, not named Josh Allen. Who would you give? I was thinking about this. This is a tough one, right? Like this is normally it'd be like Stefan Diggs. Okay, next question, right? <laughs> Wall of Fame on the offense, not named Josh Allen. I think that's a really tough award to give out. I'd give it to James Cook. Like you said, he was the top five in rushing, but those two drop passes. Osiris Torrance. Ooh, Osiris Torrance. I think he played 100% of the snaps all season long in his, in his rookie year. The only player to play 100% of the snaps on the offense. That's a good one, John. It may be even a yeah, that's a good one. I would say Kincaid. As per, just uh, met and exceeded our expectations. I think that's a lot for Kincaid, just because he didn't see all the snaps like he could have in the receiving role. And it's not necessarily his fault, because I think he did a, a really good job. I think it was more just they didn't utilize him enough like they could have. I think he could have had well over a thousand yards this season if they used him correctly. I think he has. If Knox, if Knox didn't get hurt, he could have had way less uses. Yeah, exactly. So you disagree with mine? I for saying I don't love it. <laughs> I think Cook could have had two thousand yards if he was utilized correctly. There. <laughs> well, Cook isn't mine, so um, <laughs> I'm going to give. Oh, it. I thought it was. No, no, no. I, I said, who do you give it to? And I was just listing players. Like I don't. I... Why don't you just tell us? <laughs> I'm going to give it. Nate's ready. Nate's ready. <laughs> I'm. I'm it's just... not going to be. It's not going to be Torres either. I guarantee it. <clears throat> I'm going to give it to Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins is on my wall of fame for a couple of different things. First off, he asserted himself as one of the better offensive, one of the better tackles, um, I think, in the NFL. And he added a new wrinkle to his game this year, which he admitted on a, another podcast. I was listening to the Centered on Buffalo pod with Eric Wood. And what's awesome is he has access to all these Bills players. So he has them on. And he talked about how Dawkins didn't really like to run block before. He wasn't a big fan of it. And then Joe Brady, you know. I don't like when you talk up other podcasts. Like when you're watching a Coke commercial, do it. Oh, you know what's great? Pepsi. <laughs> well, people probably know that other podcasts exist, but. I didn't. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I didn't mean to talk up Eric. Eric Woods come on the podcast, though, so I feel like it's okay. I feel like it's all right, but I see your point. Okay, so on some other podcast, some other unnamed Thank podcast. You. Yeah, which is probably worse than ours. Uh <laughs> he mentioned that he didn't like to run block. And also, like, the Deion Dawkins thing is kind of twofold in the fact that he got better than he was in 2022. He had a really bad year last season, than 2022. Like, it wasn't good. In 
I don't know if it was injuries or what, but like we wondered this season if he was going to show up at all. And we mentioned before the season that he was like one of our most important players on the entire roster because if he goes down, like, you know, who's cover, who's taking care of Josh's blind side? Um, and I thought he did a really good job, minus that, you know, Chris Jones hit <laughs> hit the end of the Chiefs game that, you know, caused that pass to go kind of sail a little bit wide of Shakir. They cost him the season. <laughs> I mean, other than that. Like, but your reasoning, you're saying like, oh, because he had such a work, bad year prior. So uh, to that logic, the, anybody to get your award should just sandbag it completely. No, I think he, he got back to the level where he was very, very, very good is, is my point. And that might have also had to do with Connor McGovern, right? Like Connor McGovern's a, maybe a better left guard than you know what he had last year. I can't remember who he was even there last. Oh, it was Ryan Bates the year before. Okay. So Ryan Bates, right? Like it just, that might have helped. Um, but he just returned to that level and he was played, had one of his better seasons in the NFL at his age. So, uh, yeah. And he, and he added, he added to his game too, Mike. So not only did he, you know, keep his pass blocking up and and he had a great year pass blocking, but he also did really well run blocking. So he says he doesn't like to do that. He was finally willing to run block. Oh, let's throw him him a parade. (laughs) Uh, you're just pissed off because I don't love the Dalton Kincaid. John, who do you like better as the Wall of Shame or Wall of Fame? Mine or Mike's? You know, I was actually no. Let's <laughs> not dismiss my pick. I, I, why don't we all pick a secondary option and see who it is? <laughs> Osiris Torres. Okay, now pick yours. <laughs> <laughs> Osiris Torres, without a doubt. I almost yeah, chose definitely. him as mine. Now pick yours. <laughs> Oh, you both picked Torrance? Well, it doesn't matter who I picked. <laughs> ah, Kincaid. Ah, no. <laughs> Such bullshit. It was his first year in the league. He did, he did well. He wasn't the wall of fame. Hey, On a I team think, that doesn't MVP. even let rookies play. Hey, how about how about this, though, for Brandon Bean, those first two picks? Hits. Pretty, pretty money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's ever hit on his first two picks like this. Both starters, almost starters. I mean, Dalton Kincaid, eh? Not starting yet, but it should be starting. Should be starting. <laughs> if there was any way, so there's no way to get out of Dawson Knox's contract. But if there was, I'd just, say he has restructure. Restructure Knox. <laughs> if you, if there was one player where you're just like, that was a terrible contract. I think it's Dawson Knox's contract. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he isn't a team player because he's like, dude, I'll do whatever you want. He's like, if you want me to be fullback. The entire game, I'll do that. Like you know, it's, coaches it's, have said it's that tough. it's tough. He was improving and didn't have anybody else. Now they have somebody else, and now it's like, oh, that's a bad contract. Same thing with Von Miller. It's like, oh, that was a terrible contract. Well, because he got hurt, but like you can't. He was good before he got hurt. You can't. He, that doesn't count. You're you're getting ahead of me for wall of shame on the defensive side or whatever. Like it, if you're hurt, if you're injured, you. You can't, like, as a fan, you can't be like, oh, that was a terrible contract. He was good before, for the Bills. He was good for the Bills before he got hurt. He was. You can't count that. Is it, you know what You know what Von Miller's 2023 season reminds me of in meme form? Have you ever, guys, I know Mike's seen it because I, I recommended it to you. John, have you ever seen the skit show on uh, on Netflix called I Think You Should Leave? I don't think so. It's It's... Like a newer, I think it's been out a couple seasons. It's one of those things where it's like hit or miss, but like when it's hit, like it is hysterical. Like I love it. And Mike, you'll remember this. There's that one skit. I don't even know what they're talking about. They show people in the military who's like, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. And then there's like three or four of them. I'm doing my part. And then they show the main character. He's like, I didn't do fucking shit. (laughs) And that makes me think of Von Miller's 2023 season. (laughs) It's like Terrell Bernard. I'm doing my job, you know. Everyone else, I'm doing my job. Then well, they get to Von Miller. I didn't do fucking shit. <laughs> think about think about Tredavious White when he came back from his injury. It took a while for him to get back to form, and then all of a sudden he's awesome again. Unfortunately, he got hurt again, but for the second time, I feel really bad for the guy. But like it, it, Miller could come back in September, he'd be fantastic. He, he's older, but you don't know the where the way you place empathy. Just is striking to me. Why are you shaking your head? No, I agree. Usually, I agree. It's head. bullshit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I thought you had like no sound or something. No, no. But no I just I, I want I, I want you to be happy in life, John. Is when you're like, oh, I'm spending this empathy for Tredavious. Like the seven 
2.9 billion people on the the earth with trades like that. The people don't the, don't don't get me wrong. I think they should cut white and save six point whatever million on the cap. I still feel bad for the guy, but I'm saying they should cut him. I was in the hospital longer than Tredavious White. I didn't get this much empathy. <laughs> I don't think John even knew you were having surgery. <laughs> John's talked about Tredavious White nonstop since that injury every single week <laughs> of the podcast. Not even a text from him saying, "What is he? What has he made? Lifetime earnings to rehab? Oh, I mean, just you tell me. You're you're trying to prove a point here. So he's probably at least forty. What is it? Million. 40, 50, 60 million lifetime earnings. Are you just throwing out numbers? You know this? What is hey, it? don't, don't you just. At some point, it doesn't matter. I would argue over 10 million. <laughs> it probably doesn't matter. That, but that wasn't the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make was when he came back from his first injury, it took longer than normal before he was really good again. Maybe the same could happen for Von Miller. I don't know. But they're stuck with him. So we can hope for that. They can't trade him or cut him. Try White, though, they could cut. Yeah, that might be a tough decision when it comes down to it. And 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 you do feel worse for him than you did for Von Miller. I, I think if Von, it's all about life. The older I get, the more I realize it's all about setting expectations. And we've talked about this with Von Miller. If Von Miller didn't come out before the season and said, I'm going to be ready week one, if he was just like, I'm doing the best I can, I'm rehabbing, I've been through this before, it's not easy, but I'm going to, you know, hopefully it'll get, then we all would have had, we all would have changed our expectations for Von Miller. Nobody would have figured that he'd be ready by week six when he actually did get, you know, playing time or week five or whatever it was. Like we were all thinking like, okay, okay, now he's ready. Okay. It took a little bit longer than he said. None of us thought it was going to be week one. Okay. It's all about expectations. You set expectations as I'm going to be ready week one. People expect you by week six to be the Von Miller of 2022. And when you don't have one sack the entire season out of 10, 12, 13 games, like people are pissed off. I'm pissed off. That's that's just his personality being positive. He's the, the, like, Within a week of him getting injured initially, he's like, nah, I, I might, maybe I'll miss one week, but uh, definitely, definitely by the week after, I'm going to be good to go. And, uh, but I, I might still be good this week too. And then it was like a year later before he even saw the, like, it's just his personality. He wants to be positive and you can't blame him for that. You can't, you can't. Nate, Nate and I absolutely do blame him because people can't, you can't set, can be flawed as, all the as, time. As a fan, you can't set your expectations based on what, He's literally telling you. Saying, it's like, not. It's not innuendo. It's not reading between the lines. He's literally telling you. Yeah, he's not a doctor. <laughs> he's just saying. No, I feel like I'm going to be good. <laughs> Is like, there, this, who? What player wouldn't say that? This reminds me of. Do you remember the Adam Sandler album with Skid? It was like, "Is this people having sex or working out?" <laughs> <laughs> like they're just like you hear people groaning and be like oh yeah that's definitely two people having sex he's like no they're actually uh weightlifting <laughs> and then they finally get to like the third or fourth one where the people are like we're definitely not working out we're definitely having <laughs> sex and people are like those are two people having sex they're like nope working out sorry <laughs> this is like this it's like von miller like I'm definitely coming back week one. It's just like, well, you can't read between the lines. You know, you never know. Like he's <laughs> he's like him thinking that he didn't even tear his ACL. Like, I'm glad you brought that up, John, because it's like, how do you not know? You just tore your ACL, you know, five or six years ago. He's like, ah, I might be back before the end of the season. I, I don't well, know. Well, like, if you remember, like, he was seeking, like, a second opinion and making sure that, that like, what, like, they interview McDermott and he, you know, they, he gives a canned response and the reporters are disappointed because, you know, he's saying the same thing he always says. So now like people latch on to like the tiniest thing that Stefan Diggs says, that's really cryptic apparently, or something Yvonne Miller says, and they run with that instead because they can't get anything out of the coach or Bean or whoever else. So they're interviewing. They just, it's, it's just all media stuff. Who cares? At the end of the day, it's what the coaches and the general manager decides who's going to be on the field that day, what they're going to do, what the game plan is, and go from there. I wish that Von Miller had more canned answers and was like more cryptic than him coming out and saying what he thought, or at least telling the general public. Like when he clearly either either he was not in it mentally at all this season, or physically he wasn't. You know, physically he wasn't ready to be playing, but 
you know what I'll say to that? This is how I think he was physically ready. His mind was just not in it for whatever reason. And he just basically took 2023 off. It was like his senior skip year or something. I don't know. He had senioritis this last season because Sean McDermott is very reluctant to play players when they're injured. Like look at Razul Douglas. He didn't play him against the Steelers, even though he probably could have, they said, but he wanted to play it safe. He wasn't up to 70, 80% or whatever it was to get him to play. So that's why he played for the Chiefs game. And you could still tell he was hobbled. So in saying that, I think that Von Miller was physically ready to play. He was physically ready. Sean McDermott wouldn't have pushed him out there just because of that. So I think he was ready physically. It maybe not, maybe he was 70, 80% at the beginning of the season. And then eventually he got to 100% at some point or whatever. But he was good enough to play. It was just all on Vaughn. It was all on Vaughn. Yeah, but how many snaps did he play in those games? He's active, but that doesn't mean he played how many. How I want to say he was playing snaps? 30 to 40% of the snaps, but when he was healthy, he was playing 50 to 60%. It wasn't like that much. It wasn't a ridiculous amount less. And, and he wasn't was that active compared, that one game. And how was that compared to the other healthy defensive ends? John, he didn't have a sack all season. Like he could have played, like, if he played enough, you know, snaps to get a sack, which is probably like, what, 100 snaps or 80 snaps or whatever it took. You know, he probably got a sack every, like, you know, 60, 70 snaps in 2022. But he played he played less than he did before the injury. But not enough right? to not make an impact at all. Remember that was a big joke? AJ Klein had more tackles than Von Miller in one game. He had three times more tackles than Von Miller in one game than he had than Von he's Miller. A linebacker. He's a linebacker. He should get more tackles. In one game, John, compared to 10, yes. 12 games. That's Oh, you're saying over the course. Because he had nine tackles games. in one game. That was three times. I thought, I, thought of, you meant, I thought you were talking in the same game. No. I mean, we season. can all agree that his season was a huge disappointment. No, John's sticking up for Von Miller. He thinks he thinks Von Miller had a great season, apparently. No sacks, <laughs> four <laughs> tackles same. or something. <laughs> Don't remember saying that, but okay. We're all disappointed in his season. Yes, we're all disappointed in the yes. season. Okay. Yes. Oh, we yes. Where are we, where are we and it was because he said expectations <laughs> way too high. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah. It's, it's, it's all about what he said, right? And like, exactly. People get that's, all that. up in arms about what other players say or do or don't say or don't do. And like, who cares? It's not, that's. I'd say we like, were we were even more conservative. I don't think we, we shouldn't believe what the players or the coaches say in interviews ever. Yeah, but if he says I'm going to be ready for week one, we all agree. Unless 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 there's somebody ranting like in a post game press conference, like you know Dennis Green or Jim Mora, or like you don't get anything from those guys. Yeah, yeah, like unless it's one of those like one of those sound bites. No, I don't believe anything that any of these guys are saying. Yeah. So, offensive wall of shame. Who would you put on your offensive side of the ball wall of shame for the way that this season played out? I mean, I was going to say Ken Dorsey, but it's like, well, he's still not on the team. I kind of got to put... I hate saying this, but Gabe Davis was injured down the stretch. He probably would have been on it, but Stefan Diggs... I'm going to put Stefan Diggs on my wall of shame for 2023. And not that I think he's a bad wide receiver, not that I think he couldn't bounce back in 2024, but I mean, Khalil Shakir was outperforming him the second half of the season. And um, like you were saying, John, with the cryptic things that Stefan Diggs is saying, it wasn't that bad. I mean, but the fact that he, that when he was interviewed at the Pro Bowl and he didn't say, I love Josh Allen and I want to stay in Buffalo, he basically just said, you know, we'll see. And I'm not sure. Or whatever. He didn't say that he was on good terms with Josh Allen. He didn't say he saw himself in Buffalo in 2024. So just a disappointing end of the season for me. I can't give it to James Cook because there was really only two plays where it was really maybe three or four <laughs> that were, you know, fumbles or whatever. But the guy touches the ball so much more often. I just, you know what, whole, you know what that Stefan Diggs that drop against the Chiefs really disappointed was because he looked back at Josh and he just gave him that little, like, his little fingers, like, this close. Like, like, come on, man. Like, this has been this close, like, the last eight games. I just, I don't know. I expect more. I still love Diggs. I still think he's a great player. Um, his second half was just too disappointing for me to leave him off the wall of shame. John, do you want to go next? Mike? I'll go. I think Diggs. Where else can you? It's, in my mind, it's Gabe Davis or Diggs. And 
Davis has the benefit of being injured. John, three for three. Davis, I go with Davis. You just got done even with your soliloquy of injuries can't hurt you. Even when he wasn't injured, it's 50-50 whether he even gets targeted or catches a pass in a game. I was going to go only, with him, but he convinced me. His only saving grace was he was a pretty pretty damn good blocker. Um, I mean, I can see why we'd pick Diggs, too. That I mean, they're both up there, which is kind of sad because... They need wide receivers. <laughs> Doesn't this highlight the need even more though? Like we didn't give it to we didn't even give it to Dawson Knox, right? Like we gave it to a wide receiver, Davis and Diggs. Well, part part of me thinks like at the end, like last year, like the whole problem was it was too transparent. It's like Ellen to Diggs, Ellen to Diggs, Ellen to Diggs. That's the only thing they could do. They need a, they need other receiving weapons. And now this year, especially in the second half of the year. They were like, oh, Shakir and Kincaid. Well, Kincaid in the middle of the year, too. And uh, Cook at times. They had, you know, different receiving weapons. But then when push came to shove down the stretch and, you, you know, the big bomb. You know, I can forgive the, I don't know if I can forgive, but like Sherfield had drops that also, not just Diggs. Sherfield's fourth or fifth receiver at that point, right? Yeah. Diggs is supposed to be the alpha guy. So that's that's what makes that harder. It's just you know Joe B did his all twenty two review and he was like Diggs is open. Like it's not a matter of him not being able to get open anymore. He's like the offense just isn't. It's just not focusing Josh's attention on Diggs. If, can we say like we all love that Joe Brady is the new offensive coordinator? Can I say that that's my biggest one of my biggest knocks on him is not getting Diggs more involved? Like like you you just said that John. It made me think of it. I think Dorsey made him overemphasized, oh. and I think that. Brady made him underemphasized. Yeah, I, I agree, and I th- I think there needs to be some sort of medium for that, and maybe you know having this off season to readjust, and th- that's why I'm hopeful for Joe Brady. Yeah, it, it, like, Diggs isn't going anywhere. No, they it, couldn't, even if they wanted to. They couldn't. They the the amount of money they lose, it wouldn't be worth. It. You always have to look at like you know how much would it cost to get rid of someone, and then what are you left with? Is it worth? just losing the player altogether or just overpaying for the player to, to have his performance. Right. And it doesn't make sense to get, to get zero away from trading digs or releasing him. It doesn't make sense because you get zero for him and you still take a huge chunk of dead cap. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I agree. And, and no matter how you slice it, he's still the best receiver receiving weapon. Yep. Absolutely. What do you think about, okay, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Who is on your wall of fame for the defense in 2023. John, I'll start with you first. I think I know exactly where you're going to go without you even needing to mention this, but I'll start with you. Bernard has to be, right? As I predicted, of course, in the offseason. The, the Nard dog. Maybe not, maybe, maybe not being the best player, but definitely I, I thought he would be capable. Yeah. I like, I like the Nard dog, too. I want to give an honorable mention, though, to Ed Oliver and Razul Douglas. I don't think... I think if Ed Oliver hadn't, he didn't not show up against the Chiefs game, but I mean, he just got bullied in that game. And then Razul Douglas, I mean, he just wasn't there the whole season. So, um, but I really liked what he brought. But um, yeah, Terrell Bernard for me is the wall of fame on defense. Mike, who's your wall of fame on on the defensive side of the ball? Razul Douglas, even with half a year, just where we would have been without him. Would you, Mike... Is it even a question? Like, if you have to pick Tredavious White coming off an ACL, they're both the same age. Tredavious White coming off an ACL or Razul Douglas, got to pick one. You go Razul. I like both. I know, but you have to pick one. (laughs) I'm keeping both, mate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with Douglas if you had asked me. I'm going to go with the guy that didn't just get over an Achilles. I'm cutting Trey White this year to save cap one. They're $43 million uh, over the cap. They got to make some... Tough decisions. I think Trey White's going to be one of them. They can restructure Allen's deal this season and save like twenty four million. I think it is. So like mm-hmm. they take a big chunk out of that. Like that's the first step. But anyway, but yeah. I, still though, they, they don't have there's, enough. Money. There's a few restructures and there's a few cuts, and I think Trey White's going to be one of the cuts. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Do you think like the Bills don't? He like, might not even be. He might not even be fully ready to go in September either. Yeah, he might not do anything during training camp. Right? Like it might be. He needs to go on the ayahuasca retreats or whatever the Aaron Rodgers did right before he was about to play with the same torn Achilles, you know, yeah. 
this, I mean, this goes into like what, you know, you guys are making fun of me for feeling bad for the guy, but like, I, he might not be on the team in September. Yeah. We were making fun of you that you, that you felt bad for Tredavious White. It sounded think. like it. No, it was just. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for him too. Who doesn't love Trey White? He's one of the most likable players on the entire team, for sure, uh, personality-wise and, and play-wise and everything. He loved True. Everyone loves True White. So um, let's see. <clears throat> uh, defensive side of the ball, wall of shame. Can you do a wall of shame that's not Von Miller? Because I think that's pretty obvious, right? It might just be. It might just be the pass rush in general. I mean, they opened the year okay. Uh, there was, you know, there were flashes, right? Leonard Floyd, Epinesa. There were good plays, memorable plays, but they tried to build this team. For the Chiefs <laughs> and to pass rush Mahomes from a couple years, two, three years ago. And it just hasn't come to fruition. And now edge rusher is still one of their top needs heading into next year. They have so much tied up into it between Miller. and I mean, Rousseau's still on his rookie contract. Um, but all these other guys, uh, that's got to be all shame. John, guess how many defensive linemen the Bills have under contract in 2024? So defensive tackle is, I think, is just Oliver. Correct. <laughs> uh, for end, I'm going to say Von Miller. <laughs> Correct. And it's two. Um, Greg Rousseau, you just mentioned oh, this. Oh, AJ uh, uh, Kingsley, Jonathan. Kingsley, Jonathan. Four. Rousseau. Um, That's four. Is that it? That's it. That's it. <laughs> that is it. It's all the Bills have under contract. So when we talk about Bills needs, we're going to talk about that in a future episode. But like, as much as you. As disappointing as the Bills' pass rush was, I mean, they only have four of those guys coming back, and one of them was terrible. So if you had to pick... so I, And one of them was inactive most of the season, so that's not good. <laughs> this is premature to ask, probably. So we'll talk about it probably in the coming weeks. But if you had to pick just one player who they're losing to free agency to bring back, who would it be on the entire team? I think I'd stick with this group, and I'd say Daquan Jones. I I agree, Daquan Jones. Is that what you you were going to say too? Okay. Yep. Because I think he was. Would you argue he's the best one tech defensive tackle we've had in the Sean McDermott era? Because I think he is. I can't think of yeah. And and when he's been out, it's hurt. Especially maybe not as much this year, but last year in particular when he was out. Oh yeah. It hurt even more. I thought Um, they were they were able to scheme some things this year, but I think. him being next to Oliver is is a huge plus. Defensive tackle is one of the few positions, and I don't think it's defensive end necessarily yet, at least in the first couple of rounds. But if the Bills don't go wide receiver in the first round, I could see defensive tackle easily being that position that they go after. Or safety. I mean, it all depends who's available and how they tier everything. Yes. But I could see safety, too. Safety, I agree. It could be safety. Because they... They only have Poyer on, on their roster right, right now. So anyway, uh, yeah, wall of shame, pass rush. Mike, do you agree? Three for three, pass rush, defensive wall of shame? Yeah, no doubt. What about, so we kind of did most disappointing. So I kind of think that we, that's Von Miller. Unless you guys have a, another most disappointing of 2023, wall of shame, whatever. Most um, surprising, in a good way, obviously. Most surprising of any Bills player. And if we had to give it to somebody that wasn't... Um, a player that we've mentioned already, like Terrell Bernard, I'd say was one of the most surprising players. But if you had to give it to somebody that you haven't mentioned yet, like I think I would give it to Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown is one of the most surprising players of this season. I think he had his best season by far as a player. And I've listened to other interviews on other podcasts, which I won't mention, Mike, that uh, people talked, like Deion Dawkins talked about him, Mitch Morse talked about him, and they're like, people were saying that he was going to be a bust. People and and he credit to him. He turned around and showed them that he wasn't going to be. He didn't go down that road. And they're like, he put it. He put everything together. And Deion Dawkins was actually much more frank about it. And he was just like, man, he's like, you kind of got in his ear. Like you got to, you got to get your shit together, man. And and dude, tons of credit to Spencer Brown. He was not a liability this last season at all. Um, I'd say he was. He had he played at above average level. So um. He is my most surprising, in a good way, 
obviously a player on the on the Bills this season. Tons of credit to him. It's so easy for to see guys like the Cody Fords of the of the Buffalo Bills who just can't seem to make it. And this guy pulled himself out of it and showed finally put his potential out there. Stopped making it potential and turned it into real, kinetic, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. <laughs> Mike, John, do you who who is your most surprising Buffalo Bill in the twenty twenty three season? I'll start with you, John. That's a really good one. My my mind goes to like rookies and second year guys like a lot of we've already talked about like Torrance and Kincaid and Bernard Shakir we we haven't really talked about Shakir but Shakir but no I think uh I think you've convinced me Spencer Brown would be uh up there Mike three for three Spencer Brown or you got someone better yeah sounds good (laughs) (laughs) all right real quick I know I know Mike's got to head out um Super Bowl predictions before next week. I think next week we're going to talk more about the salary cap and stuff like that. Super Bowl predictions. Um, I mentioned earlier, I think that the Chiefs are going to win, not because I want them to win, but just because I'm going to bet. I'm actually, if I'm going to bet this game, I'm going to bet the Chiefs money line because I like to do this thing now where I bet on the teams that I don't want to win just because it's like I'll bet their money line because... Either way, I win. I do not want the Chiefs to win, but if I, if they're going to win, I might as well make some money off of it because <laughs> otherwise I'm just screwed both ways. If I bet on the 49ers and then they lose and I lose money, you know, this way at least there's one win. It's loss win or win loss. Either way, I win something. <laughs> what do you guys think? I do think the Chiefs will win though, but... What's, what's the line? Last time I checked, it was Chiefs minus two. At the the beginning of the week, or maybe it was last week. I'm first open. Sorry, I saw Niners minus one. Sorry, Niners one minus two. I thought that's what it was. Sorry, and now I just got locked out of my account. Hold, <laughs> like reset password. Like really, all right. So we definitely know they wanted Taylor Swift to get to the Super Bowl. So now we just have to predict the script for who wins the Super Bowl. The Forty ers are are two point favorites. Yes. Dude, that would make for the best song ever is her talking about because she's never known for making like really happy songs like, oh, this is great. Like life's amazing. They're all about breakups, right? And disappointing people disappointing you, right? Wouldn't that be perfect if the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl? Be a perfect hit. One yard short. But then we, but then we couldn't see her hoist the Lombardi. Mm. Oh, the NFL wants us so bad. Think of all the views. <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think? Don't know. Hoping for a close game. I guess I would take the points. Um, tough to go against Mahomes with just so many weapons on the 49ers offense, right? And they have the arrest of Mahomes Sr. hanging over their heads. Last time they had a Chiefs guy arrested, they lost that Super Bowl. Did they lose that one against uh, with when Andy yeah, Reid signed? that was Tampa Bay. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that was so much worse. He like hurt someone terribly, like a little girl. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I remember hoping that they would lose because of that specifically the week before. So you think that they don't come out? Yeah, that's going to be on Mahomes as my. Oh, that's going to affect his. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now you've convinced me. It's too late, Mike. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're you spoke very clearly here. <laughs> you're like not trying to, Nate. <laughs> don't. Now you've made it. I'm going Chiefs now. Or no, I am going for it. away. <laughs> John, do you care? Obviously, we all don't want the Chiefs to win, right? Like. We're against. I, I'm no rooting interest. Just hoping for a close game. Okay. Fun, close game. Right. That'll be fun. That would be fun. I inevitably end up cheering for who was ever down big. So like you get disappointed every time. <laughs> Except for that Patriots Super Bowl where they were down twenty eight to three against yeah. the Falcons. But that's the one time you're like, yeah, I don't like the Patriots. Do you remember that game? You were texting me and you're like, how can we put money on the Patriots? And I remember thinking like, well, there's no legal way to do it because sports gambling wasn't legal. <laughs> So I'm texting my buddy, and he's just like, "Uh, well, you could do it through me, but then I'd have to." And I was just like, "You know what? Just fucking forget it, okay? Just I'm not gonna do it." And then I remember it being like a, a I mean, we'd be retired, <laughs> yeah, in the in a Caribbean palace, <laughs> yeah, little Saint Mike, <laughs> be little Saint Nate. We'd have our own little islands, right? <laughs> Tax free or international waters. Anything? So, yeah. John, who do you think? Who do I think or what do I want? Both. I want the 49ers. I think that it's rigged. All right, fellas. All right. Thanks, Mike. We know Mike's got <laughs> a hard out. the game. Signing off for Mike. See ya. Go Bills. Next year's our year. Oh, so real quick. Okay, John, let's sign off for you because Mike can't get off until we all go. Signing off for John. 
Go Bills. I don't think he can leave. I guess he can't. Oh, well, he just made himself inactive. Uh, <laughs> I think you can do whatever you want. Okay. Ah, I will. I will do whatever I want. Okay. So what were you going to say about the Chiefs, Bills? Or Chiefs, Niners? I don't know if I have anything else. Okay. All right. Fuck the NFL. <laughs> so next week. No fun league. We're, we're not going to record next week after the uh, the Super Bowl game because just going to be a late night in general uh and it's not a bill's primetime game so i'm not going to subject us to being up till three in the morning like i normally do so let's do well, i'm it. not going to watch that anyway so we yeah. can just do it during the game you want to record during the <laughs> whatever just rec- let's just record let's talk bill's uh <laughs> bill salary cap right after right i'm not, I'm not gonna watch <laughs> dude i i actually might be there with you because i know my wife's not going to stay up to watch the game she'll probably be done at nine so um, I might just be hanging out, so maybe we will record. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it's me and you next week. If, if not, I'm just gonna play video games. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, let's 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 call it a podcast. I appreciate every one of you guys for listening. Uh, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review. Tell your friends if you like the Buffalo Bills and you like this podcast. You probably have cool friends that are also into cool things as well as you are. So uh, let them know about the CT dubs uh, circling the wagons. So signing off for John. Go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills. It still stings a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I know we're going to get over it soon. It's going to help if the 49ers win. But uh, we'll talk to you guys again maybe next week, but probably more likely the week after to talk more Bill salary cap for agency, all that fun stuff. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys uh, then. Go Bills. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. Um, well, listen, I, the whole show is called Circling the Wagons. Say no more. I love it. <laughs>